Turn with me again, please, to the scriptures. We want to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 31. Isaiah chapter 31. Can I say while you're looking that up that this, this evening will be more of an introduction. We are in part, where are we, seven, of knowing the days in which we live in. Knowing the days we live in, knowing the days that you live in, knowing the days that I live in. It's very important that we know the days that we're living in. And this has been full-on Bible prophecy now for seven weeks. This is a new phase. We've been all around the Middle East and around the world, and we're going to do it again. But stay with me this evening, so if you feel where we left hanging there for a bit, well, maybe you were, and you'll get the adventures of next week then, of where we're going to. Okay, stay with me as we read a few verses, Isaiah 31 and verse 4. For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself of the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it, and passing over, he will preserve it. Turn ye unto him from whom the children of Israel hath deeply revolted. For in that day every man shall cast away his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which your own hands have made unto you for a sin. No, Lord will bless the reading of his word, but please do keep your Bibles open, for we will be referring to those verses. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now to take your own word, to inscribe it on our hearts, and help us, Lord, to see the days in which we are living in, the days that are, Lord, shortening, the days that are, rushing to a quick ending the days of this world's events and Lord the second coming of your son is so close even at the doors we pray Lord that someone would see and and realize their need to get right with you Lord to trust in Christ as saviour come under the fountain of his precious shed blood by faith be born again of your spirit, for your coming draweth nigh. We ask all this, Father, in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. I was asked recently, why in all of this Bible prophecy we've looked at different things like Daniel chapter 2, the man with the head of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of brass, and the legs of iron and the feet of part iron and of part clay. We looked at Daniel 7 where there are four beasts. For example, we have the lion, the winged lion. We also have the bear that's lopsided with three ribs in his mouth. We also then have the leopard with four heads and four wings. And then we had a, some sort of a beast with ten horns. And a little horn comes out of it. 
And of course we showed you that, that those ten horns represent the same as the ten toes. And the ten horns were ten kingdoms that were mainly made up of the European Union today. But the little horn that came out was the Papal Roman system which came out and it's known as the little horn of the West in the prophecy of Daniel. Then we looked at Daniel chapter 8. There was a ram with two horns, one shorter than the other, representing the Medes and the Persians. That is the silver of the man of Daniel 2. And then we looked at, at, it came against a ram. They clashed together. A strong goat it clashed against with a notable horn. The notable horn breaks, which is, which is Alexander the Great of the Grecian Empire, or the brass in the man. And then, of course, after that, four notable ones come up, which represent the leopard with four heads. And out of that comes another horn from the Seleucid kingdom. Four generals are the four heads. They take over the Arab peoples, that is Seleucid, one of the generals does. And out of it comes another horn, which comes up as Muhammad the prophet and Islam being the horn of the east, horn of the west and the horn of the east. So when I was asked why preach all this for it's all history, why is it relevant today? It is relevant because there's a stone kingdom that comes and smashes these false kingdoms. That is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it shows men where we are in world events. It shows men where we are in the history of the world uh, previous to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we are looking at a prophecy that while we are alive, we have breath in our bodies, we have the ability to call in Christ when the Spirit moves in our hearts and receive him as Lord and Savior when we see the cross of Calvary him bleeding and dying in our room instead. And we must be ready, whether the event of our death or the coming of the Lord, we must be born again. So that's why. Let me give you six brief points. And really, these are brief. The first couple are a little longer than the rest. And these six points are an introduction running in to these verses that we have read in Bible prophecy tonight. So why preach this prophecy Why teach the historical fulfillments of Scripture? Point one is because it proves the divine origin of your Bible. It it proves the divine origin of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says, All Scripture. Now what Scripture is he speaking about? For he's writing, among with others, the New Testament. He's speaking of the old covenant. He's speaking of the promises of God in the Old Testament, for he, he didn't have a complete New Testament like you and I. Of course, they are scripture and breathed of God also. But he says, all scripture is given, notice, by inspiration of God. That proves its divine origin, in other words. The words inspiration of God means all scripture is God-breathed. It is the wind of God. We sang it tonight. We feel the wind of your spirit. It is the wind of God, it is God breathed. Notice, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Listen to what Job says in Job 32 and verse 8. But there is a spirit in man 
and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Now notice that. But there is a spirit in man to give you understanding. God's spirit quickens you, makes you alive unto the gospel, makes you alive unto Christ, and you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, and you have understanding. The Holy Ghost comes and he dwells in you. As he dwells in you, we read the scriptures and they come alive in our life. And we see our God all through the scriptures. And Christ is elevated. We're able to see prophecy also. Notice what it says. But there is spirit, there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. The Hebrew word here for inspiration is the word nesoma. And it means the puff. You know you say you're out of puff when you're breathless. It's the exact same. It means the breath, the puff of Almighty God will give you understanding. It means the breath of Almighty God, the wind of Almighty God. And it means the intellect, the intelligence of Almighty God. So it's to make you know the days you're living in. That's why this Bible and the pages illuminated under the anointing of the Spirit will enable you and I to know the days we are living in that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. That's the idea of these services. When we're bringing these big themes, it's to get you to understand you must be ready for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Second Peter 1 and 21. Peter says, For prophecy came not an old time by the will of man. Now see the word will as in the will of man. It's the word phileme. And phileme means it did not come by the determination of man. That the prophecy did not come by the choice of man. Because man willed it, it happened. It didn't because man decided it, it happened. It did not come because of the purpose of man, nor the decree of man, nor the inclination of man, nor the desire of man, nor the pleasures of man. Because man is just man, a sinner lost in his sin, dead in his trespasses and in his sin until the Holy Ghost touches them. So it can't come by man. It isn't a book made up of old men or young men, whatever age they were, throughout a few thousand years who have gotten together and voila, there you go. It's all put together and there's a little few, a, a few stories of a mishmash all made up. And men have willed this or read one off another. This shows the divine origin of your Bible. It is of Almighty God. Let's read that verse. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Notice holy men, holy ghost. Holy men, holy ghost. Lifestyles before God. A walk with God. Purity of hands and heart. Holy men and the Holy Ghost. Not lifestyles where you're living it up. Not lifestyles where you're having the drink. 
Not lifestyles when you're getting on like a devil during the week and coming to church on Sunday. But holy men were moved by the Holy Ghost. Here we have holy men being moved. The word moved here means to bear or to carry one along like a boat down a stream. The Holy Ghost came and they took the men up and they carried them along in the Spirit. It means here that they bear them, or also carry, he bear them up to drive, to lead. It means to reach the Holy Ghost, seen the holy man. He was moving on them, and he reached them. wonder how many in Donoclonahelam can be reached tonight by the Holy Ghost. Here we have also, it gives the idea of rushing a rushing breath of God it's 120 in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Father and we're told as they sought the Lord and prayed and tarried in Jerusalem we're told that suddenly there was a a great sound as of a, a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house and we're told that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That Holy Spirit, He is the same Holy Spirit who is in the house tonight. And He can take you up and He can fill you and He can bear you along and He can speak in you and through you. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Here we have that reason we preach these, these messages because it proves the divine origin of scripture. Secondly and quickly, it shows us where we are in world history. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 3 and 4 says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days. Remember the last days? In the ascension of our Lord and the day of Pentecost. Peter proclaims the prophecy of Joel. In the last days, God said he would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons, ladies and your daughters. I didn't say that. God's word says that. Pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Now notice the last days are from then until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which whom we are waiting for. For that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and even our Savior Jesus Christ. Notice this. Second Peter 3. Knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. See the word scoffers here. It's the word amphihectus. And it, it means there shall become deriders and false teachers. In other words, there were those who had risen up. We have touched this in this series who denied the deity of Christ. They denied that he was God manifest in the flesh, son of God and son of man. They denied it. And we're told in scripture that this is the spirit of Antichrist. Those who are in the place of Christ also uh, is the spirit of Antichrist. That's false teaching. Those who deny Christ, who are in the place of Christ, and those who are opposed to Christ, the three are the spirit of Antichrist. Let me go on. 
Verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now you and I know that is not true. There are some say the prophecy stopped. And it stopped on the ascension or the day of Pentecost. And prophecy stopped. Bible prophecy now. Now that's not true. Because we know with a full well knowledge that throughout the ages, right through these last 2,000 years, things have been coming into place. Things have been happening. And the Protestant Reformation came. After that, the Wesleys came and changed and, uh, uh, and rescued Britain from the French Revolution. God poured out his spirit on signs and wonders and revivals throughout these islands and the United States of America. Things did not remain the same. Prophecy has been fulfilled. That's called the historic interpretation of prophecy. And throughout the time, God has been at work. God isn't dead. He is alive. Our God is alive and he is in control. So secondly, it lets us know where we are in world history and where the nations are developing. And we'll look at that a little later in God's will. Thirdly, it shows God's dealings with individuals. Of course it does. Your need to be born again, to be right with God, to be saved and under the blood. But it also shows God's dealings with the nations. Isaiah 40 and verse 15, for example, says, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as a small dust of the balances. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Now you can rejoice in this tonight because you and I think of world leaders. We look at the news and what's going on and nation is against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there's this president and prime minister and government and king and prince. And all these things are happening. And we're just the little pawns who are on this little chessboard. And we're being moved from pillar to post. And we're thrown from the left to the right and back and forward. We don't know whether we're coming or whether we're going. But God is in control. The God who is the God of the universe. The great eternal spirit. The Yahweh of Israel. He is still God tonight. And he gave us his only begotten son. Now, to see God moving among nations. To see, read the Bible, to see nations that are known coming to be manifest and how God is even gathering nations together and one nation and confederacy when one fight against another national confederacy and there will be a, a, a battle which seems that, that, that evil is prevailing. Then suddenly we're told the skies will roll back like a scroll. We'll hear a trumpet and a voice, a war cry and Christ will be revealed in the glory. And he will descend as we ascend to meet the Lord in the air. And we will return to rule and reign with Christ. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. That excites me. Does that not excite you? I get so excited at that. That Christ is returning. But you must be born again. You must be ready. You must know him as your own Lord and personal Savior. That's why... We're preaching these things. That's why 
we're showing these things. That as Isaiah 40 and verse 15 says, that the nations are as a drop of a bucket. The God of the universe, look, planet Earth is a little tiny speck. And a floating mass of universes and galaxies, billions and billions of stars. And our Lord just holds them all in the palm of his hand. He's numbered and called them all by name. I can't even remember the eight, or is it nine? I can't even remember the number of what there are in this solar system. And God has them all called by name. Now here's the thing. When we think of ourselves on this little speck, and then we think of ourselves so small in the economy of the nations, when we think of ourselves so small even among other peoples, we wonder, God, are you real? Lord, do you see us? Do you know us? Even in your trials, your temptations, and the things you struggle with, and with addictions, we say, i never be able to get through this. Your God knows you and he loves you. Every single one of you, your hairs are numbered. He bottles your tears. He marks and numbers your steps. He knows a sparrow and holds it in flight. And so this gives me joy to know that my God is in control and Christ is my Savior. Is Christ your Savior tonight? This is the joy of this prophetic fulfillment. Ah, history. It's his story. That's what history is. His story. It's Christ and what he has done. And if Christ had not come and shed his blood, you and I might as well go home for we're lost. But he has and he did. And he saved our souls. Thank God tonight we can say, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I trust tonight it is well with your soul. So fifthly, it shows God's dealings with individuals and with the nation. Sorry, thirdly, this is fourthly. I'm getting excited and carried away there. Thirdly, this is fourthly. It shows that we are close to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. People call it Armageddon, but that's a different term. We'll not go into it tonight. And that the second coming of Christ is near. That he will come to sit on the throne of his father David. Rule over the house of Jacob and the earth and the entire universe from Jerusalem. That's what my Bible tells me. That's what excites me. And that's why we're here to let you know that if you're not saved, if you're not born again of the Spirit and trusting in Christ, then you are lost and you will be lost forever. Fifthly, it warns every sinner, every unsaved man and woman, of the coming judgment upon them. The wrath of God abideth upon everyone outside of Christ. If you're outside of Christ, the wrath of God abideth upon you. But when you're in Christ, you're justified. Just as if you'd never sinned. For he paid it all. He paid the penalty that we could not pay. Sixthly, it gives the redeemed saint the hope and the joy and the faith and the excitement 
It gives them the the knowledge and the assurance in their soul. When they specially see these things, the signs and wonders proving their Bible is exactly as it said. It is true that these indicators let us know that soon is coming the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So why preach, why teach this historical fulfillment of Bible prophecy? For three reasons here. One, and we'll look at it in these verses in a moment. One, it proves or shows the power of God. Secondly, it shows the protection of God. And thirdly, it shows the perseverance of God. Why teach it? Why preach it? If it's only history. It's not history. It's right up to date. And when you get up tomorrow, it'll still be right up to date. It'll still be right up to date. Why teach it and preach it? Hosea 4 and verse 6 says, My people. Hosea was sent to the northern kingdom, the house of Israel. And listen to what God said. They were a sinful people. He says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject ye. The man and woman who reject the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus then will find themselves also rejected. So looking to our reading tonight, these verses in our reading have a a profundity about them. They are so profound and yet people would just read over them and glance over them and it means nothing. You see when you're coming to prophetic fulfillment, you can have a local fulfillment, you can have a, a, a national fulfillment and a global fulfillment. Some prophecies are fulfilled on other occasions. Things that happened in Israel, we're told, are happening as in samples for ourselves, for today. Even things that happened then. So the profound or the profundity of our, of our reading tonight. By the way, the word Profound, uh, I'm saying that there's a profound meaning in the scriptures. Profound means something that's deep, something that's far below the surface. Listen to this. Profound means something penetrating deeply into knowledge. Now what's our title for the last seven weeks or eight weeks, whatever it is. I'm losing count. Knowing the days in which we live in. To get people to know, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, God said. Destroyed. In other words, things come into their life. Things come into their home. Things come into society. Things come into their nation. Things come into Israel that were not of God and it destroyed them. You see, the thief cometh not for to steal, to kill and to destroy That's what Jesus said in John 10 and 10. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That's why Christ has come. He has come that we could live in him. Notice this. It means, profound means something penetrating deeply into knowledge. In our verses this evening, first of all, in verse 4 says, For thus... Hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, 
nor abase himself for the noise of them, so shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. I have called this the power of God. The power of God. In verse 5 it says, As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also he will deliver it, and passing over he will preserve it. Secondly, this verse shows the protection of God. And this has been fulfilled. In 1917 this was fulfilled. We'll show you that. We might not get there tonight, but we'll get there. There are power of God. Secondly, the protection of God. And thirdly, verse 6, Turn ye unto him from whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. Here we have the perseverance of God. The power of God. Secondly, the protection of God. And thirdly, the perseverance of God. In other words, God says to our nation, God says to you and to me tonight, God says to the people of Donna and whoever will hear my voice, God says, turn. Turn to the Lord. Turn to him from whom you have deeply revolted. See the word revolted? You and I know what it's like when something is revolting. If you eat something, it's revolting. It tastes rotten. It's a stench about it. You cannot handle it, nor do you want it, and you spit it out. It's revolting. Well, that's the way the children of Israel, that's the way Great Britain, United States of America, that's the way many in Donna Clooney have turned on the Lord. The things of God are revolting. They have no longer a taste to see that he is good. They taste and they find him revolting. The idea here is of apostasy. God is saying, turn to me for you have apostatized. You have fallen away from me. I have blessed you. I have given you plentiful I have brought you into prosperity. I have protected you, showing my power to you. And now I am persevering with you that you would turn to me. In other words, he's telling you tonight, you've had time after time after time, chance after chance after chance, you're living in the day of grace. Turn to me. Oh, I trust and pray that there's nothing about the Savior. I hope and trust and pray that there's nothing about his sacrifice. And I hope and trust and pray tonight that there's nothing about the word of God that you find revolting enough to stay away from Christ. But oh, that you would turn to him for he will turn to you. Where is your heart tonight and where do you lie before the Savior when you turn to Christ? Our nation needs to hear this again. Nations are as a drop of a bucket and the isles are as nothing. 
These British Isles, God could wipe them out. Thank God for his love and his mercy. His long suffering and the perseverance of God with men. And he gives them that opportunity and that time to repent. To change their mind about him and turn. I believe God is speaking to someone tonight. I believe God is speaking to a man tonight. And he's saying to you, turn to me. There's nothing he can't deal with. There's no sin he cannot forgive. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all our sin. So here is the message for you tonight, is to turn to the Savior. So, tonight I want to look just for an or few moments. I want to wrap it up and give you a, a good message next week. And I want to look at seven times punishment of the house of Judah and the house of Israel. I'm going to show you the nations coming out around the earth. And God fulfilling these verses as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. He sends over planes to liberate Jerusalem. They think there are great big birds in the sky. And we'll see the little horn of the east, the Islamic, before it was the Islamic Republic of Turkey, but the Turkish Ottoman Empire, dropping their weapons and running and fleeing for mercy. And then as the British forces enter in, the gates, that is the Jaffa Gate under General Allenby. In fact, next week that'll be a good time to do that since we have Remembrance Sunday. Let me wrap this up for this evening. I sense that God is speaking to someone tonight. Maybe there's a man or a woman and God is dealing with you. God is speaking to you. You see, here's the thing. The price has been paid. Let me say it again for you. The price has been paid. For God to redeem you, to buy you back, the price has been paid. I remember when I grew up in Belfast, there was a pawnbroker's down York Road. And believe it or not, where I grew up was a bit rough, so he was pretty busy. People hadn't got a lot, and it was pretty busy. And everybody used to go down to the pawnbrokers, and you brought something in, and you left it in, they give you a few pounds for it, and if you had enough time, you tried to get enough money gathered up again, if you wanted your item back, and you went into the pawnbroker, says, that belongs to me, there's your money back, thank you very much, and you took it home. That's what Christ wants to do with you tonight. You see, he pays. You're under the power of the devil. You're in the world of sin and shame. But the Lord says, no, That one, that woman, that man, I want them. I have paid the price with my son's blood at Calvary. And he says, I want her, I want him for myself. And he redeems you back. That's what you call redemption. Bringing back that which you once owned. Here we have the power of God the protection of God, and we look there at the perseverance of God. Let me just round this up for a moment with the power of God as we close, and then that gives me, believe it or not, my biggest, my biggest or largest point 
is the protection of God. We'll look at its whole worldwide Bible prophecy theme next week. And I'm going to show you different things happening. I'm going to show you Israel scattered into the European wilderness, as it were. I'm going to show you the Lord speaking comfortably, as he said to Jeremiah, sending the gospel over, and people hearing the word of God and getting saved. I'm going to show you reaching the isles, and the, and the people in the isles, and I'm going to show you how it becomes a great empire prophesied in the scriptures, a nation and a company of nations. I'll show you how the United States of America grows out of Great Britain and the Industrial Revolution happens and it's prophesied in scripture. And these great nations are being raised up on the earth. What for? For God had a little verse in Isaiah chapter 31 and verse 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. And from this, the fig tree nation of the Jews will go back to Palestine. You know what they're going back for? For a bless me time? (laughs) Definitely not. They're going back for Armageddon. And back for the battle of the ages when all the nations will be gathered against Jerusalem. You'll see the ships of Tarshish. In fact, they're actually over there at the minute. There's more and more British ships and naval ships going over there. And you'll see them ready, all formation for the battle. Why would I teach this? Because the battle of the great day of God Almighty is at hand. And you know, we're going to go through a terrible time. But guess what? The king is coming. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Let me finish with this point. I'll look at the power of God and I'll wrap this up. Thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as a lion and a young lion roaring on his prey. When a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. I have called this one the power of God. Notice, like a lion and the young lion on his prey. Here they're talking about As a lion would have a kill and he is ravenous. Oh he is serious. No one is taking his prey from him. And shepherds would have came like David to fight a lion and to fight a bear. To chase them off the prey. He says even a host of shepherds would come. Or even though others would come against him. He says he will be so protective over his people that he will stand like a lion and like a young lion. Now, whenever you look at prophecy, you'll see how nations are symbolized by heraldry. Jesus, for example, himself is known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And we're told that Britain is emblemized as the Lion. Three lions on the shirt. And at the end of days, there will come a battle towards Jerusalem. And God will use our nation, our peoples to go over to Jerusalem and there will be an almighty war, World War III. 
That's the power of man, not the power of God. God symbolizes himself in using his people. In using other peoples. Look, aren't you the church of Jesus Christ, believer? Aren't you the body of Christ on earth? Does God's power not come through you in the gospel? Come on, Pentecostal, what about those of us who believe in the laying on of hands for the sick? Is it not God's word and power and he's using the agency of a man? Here we have the lion who will roar. Can I give you another scripture to strengthen it? Absolutely. Ezekiel chapter 38. Talk about two confederacies that will come at the end times. You need to know the days you're living in. Gog, Magog, Meshach and Tubal. That's Russia. Moscow, Tobolsk. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, Gomer, the Hashitagarma and all his bands. That is Turkey and all the Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, all the Stan countries. Persia is Iran. Look at the, the way they're all forming Russia and Iran and then Iraq into Afghanistan. The Uzbekistans and all those countries are all forming together, even with China, to what's known as the Shanghai Cooperation, doing joint military exercises, just like our Bible, which has its origin from the breath of God, says. Then on the other hand, here's your scripture for the lion. We have the merchants of Tarshish, This great naval fleet will come and all the young lions thereof, that is the British fleet and the commonwealth of nations will sail toward Jerusalem and say, art thou come to take a spoil? That's exciting, doesn't it? I can see it all in my head. You might say, why preach history? Because it's all his story. Here's the final point on God showing his power. And I want to take a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, unto the Greeks' foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Do you know where you'll find God's power? Signs and wonders? Yeah. And the manipulation of nations and governments? Yeah. And the holding off the universe? Yeah. Do you know where you'll find God's power? Manifest in flesh. In the person of his son. The Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest power that God has ever revealed, made known and manifest to mankind. Was the giving of his son. Nailed to the tree. Now that's the power of God. That God could reach a guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinner like me. Cause me to be alive through his spirit. To see the Lamb of God burying away my sin in his own body on the tree. And Christ shedding his blood. Going to the grave is the power of God. 
And the resurrection of Christ shows the power of God to each and every one of us. You want to see God's power? Look at Jesus. Look at him. Why is it there? That's only the introduction to Next week. What do you see next week? I'm going to do time scale. Seven times punishment. Divide the punishment up to the two houses. I'm going to show you I'm going to cross Europe and into Britain and into Scandinavia and the United States. The big nations coming up. God raising them up all over the place. A British Commonwealth being raised up. A great power in the earth. A nation and a company of nations shall come out of thee. And there they rise up in the earth. And while Judah, or, the, or some people like to refer them as the Jews, but as Judah are there carried away into Babylon and come back again and Christ comes in, they're scattered. Oh boy, you want to see the timelines in these? We'll bring you right up to 1917 and then we'll bring you right up till today. I'm going to start preaching again. Come on up again, brother, sister.